Our scripture lesson this morning is from Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Individual Threads While capable of some, by themselves they are very limited, easily cut and torn, able to break under small loads. What happens when these fibers come together, intertwined with each other for a single purpose? When woven tightly together, suddenly these seemingly fragile strands are capable of so much more. They can hold us steady when the waves come in. They allow us to move the unmovable. They help keep our sails straight in the wind and allow us to climb to new heights and reach new places. When we come together in unity by the grace and power of God, we become stronger. Amen. Friends, will you pray with me? Holy and living God, we give you thanks for this day, a day that you have woken us up from our slumber and a day that you have gathered us here as your people, a day that we have come to worship and glorify you, your name, and what you are doing in, with, and through our world. God, we, uh, we ask for uh, our hearts to be engulfed with, uh, with a passion to serve you and to serve one another and a love uh, to love you and love one another. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Because God, you are a rock, our redeemer, and the solid rock on which we stand. It's in Christ's name we together pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. 
a couple of weeks ago, my family and I went uh, on vacation to the Outer Banks, and uh, it's become kind of a family tradition to do this over the past couple of years. Uh, some family members came uh, from all different parts of Ohio, and some family members came from all different parts of Virginia, and we all assembled uh, in Nags Head. And uh, if you notice, I said Ohio, and uh, just a quick aside, my grandmother was there. And uh, for those of you who weren't here, uh, you can go back and watch a couple of weeks ago. But listen, I ate all those chocolate chip cookies uh, in a week, <laughs> right? And she gave me a huge Tupperware container of them. And she promised me that those uh, cookies that were in that Tupperware container were not old. <laughs> she made them fresh before she left. Um, but I'm really sorry. I didn't bring any back uh, for, for y'all. Uh, listen, maybe she'll give me some more. <laughs> so uh, I'll make sure to share them with you. But thanks be to God for grandma's cookies. Amen. Amen. Now I'll quit talking about it. <laughs> uh, it was shared with me before I went on vacation uh, that vacations are, uh, especially with little ones, are not for rest, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, that's what the Sabbath is for. But vacations are for making memories. Amen. A couple of the memories that we like to always, or a couple of things we like to do every year to make those memories, especially at the beach, is like playing putt-putt, or, or going to swim in the pool, or even making sandcastles and building them on the beach, or, or going out and just standing in the ocean. Or there's memories like last year, when we did go putt-putting, and uh, my three-year-old at the time, three-year-old son, Xavier, uh, he hit his orange golf ball as we were going, putt- uh, going putt-putting, and he hit it in a Happy Gilmore-like fashion. Have you seen Happy Gilmore before? He hit it in a Happy Gilmore-like fashion. And did you know that balls, golf balls especially, don't bounce off of water? He was he was distraught <laughs> as his golf ball started sinking and then came right back to the top and then he wanted me to get it. How am I going to get that? Well, at least he learned early that golf balls don't uh, bounce off of water. And then there's memories like this past year where uh, Hurricane Fiona was dissipating a little bit, but uh, we had a a bunch of fierce winds and torrential rain, and so it warranted a day inside. As the rain was falling and the wind gusts were picking up, the kids began to do inside what they wanted to do outside. No, we didn't bring the beach sand inside the house, though I thought about it. But all of the kids began to play with these neat toys that are called magnetiles. And if you don't know what a magnetile is, it's geometric shapes, different geometric shapes uh, that are held together by magnets all across, uh, all around the actual geometric shape. And so the building commenced. It allows, magnets allow them to stay connected with one another. And so there were octagons and there were houses and there were garages and there were towers and a huge tower and castles even. As fast as the four-year-old cousins could build them up, the younger one- and two-year-old cousins would take them down. (laughs) Has that happened in your family before? Build up, 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 knock them down. After a few more buildings were constructed, only to be met by the smashing rampage of the baby Godzillas, the the four-year-olds came to ask the adults for help in building and probably keeping the smaller kids at bay as well. And so tile after tile, we began to build these different structures to build the tallest, the largest structure possible. But now the tables had turned on the adults. The four-year-old cousins were doing what the one- and two-year-old cousins were doing to them, 
me and my cousins and my other uncle, uh, we would build, 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 and the four-year-old cousins would now knock, knock, knock it down. Do you know how frustrating that is? It's okay. I still love them. Yeah. We were building and we were correcting, connecting the rows and the tiles together. And as we looked away to reach for some more, it went down. And finally, row by row, we built it up for an hour straight and knocked it down for an hour straight. It was great fun to do that. However, each time we did that, uh, I was asking myself, when is this painful thing going to end? And then something clicked for them. They didn't want to have us build, 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 and then knock it down. They wanted us to build and build the biggest tower imaginable, right? Like the Tower of Babel in Nagshead, North Carolina. (laughs) Not happening. Anyways, each time we would build up, up, up. By the time we got to the sixth row, the, the bottom started to buckle and it began to fall as we reached for that seventh row of tiles to build it up. It was missing something. It was missing a good foundation. It was missing something else. It missed a big base in order to hold the the large tower. And once we added that large tower and that solid footing and that good foundation, it stood for the rest of the day. They stood in awe at looking at this masterpiece. (laughs) There was no buckling. There was no faltering. There were no leaning because it had a good foundation. Amen? The same is true for here at Ebenezer, for us. In 1989, after years of being filled, uh, a sanctuary over on Onville Road being filled to capacity, the location of Ebenezer had moved. It had moved from a place where they had been planted for 130 years to where we are today. Ebenezer decided to take a step out in faith in 1989. And they bought this plot of land, and this plot of land in 1989 and even the surrounding areas was all farmland and fields. And so Embry Mill did not exist up to a certain point. It didn't connect to Mine Road. It wasn't even asphalt. Did you know that? It was dirt. (laughs) And it came to an end. In 1989, they had an Easter sunrise service here And together they joined to worship the risen Savior in the middle of a field. And two years later, in 1991, the gym was built and consecrated. And for the next decade, traditional and modern worship services, vacation Bible schools, discipleship classes, various programs were all held in the gym. And finally, in 2000, ground was broken for this sanctuary where we are today. This beautiful tent-like monument where we gather to worship. And after permits were acquired and the land was being prepared for construction only to have a quick delay in the plan because the soil needed an inspection and the inspection determined that the soil didn't meet the compression requirements for the construction to continue. And so the only way to solve this was by digging deep down past the level of silt and sand that the soil had when it was used for farming. They needed to dig to a level that was strong enough to withstand the weight of this building, digging five feet below the surface. And the good soil, the footing, the the good foundation was finally found at five feet. 
However, now more soil was needed to be trucked in. And so dump truck after dump truck, tons and tons of good soil was brought in to build this church, to have a proper foundation. In conversations with folks who have been at Ebenezer for a long time and in the building of this church and the moving of the earth, I've heard these stories and I've learned more about the history and the foundation of Ebenezer, the bricks and the mortars, and how Ebenezer has come into what it is today, how we have come into what it is today. From 1856 to today, Ebenezer, we have been a church with a long lineage of sharing love that knows no bounds. Amen? Amen? Amen. Sharing and holding a love that holds true, that makes us want to dive deeper into God's word and to stretch our arms out wider to wrap it all in God's love, the church, the community, and the world. And all together we're standing on a solid rock that is Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. As we begin this morning, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians 2. And it's the text that Mark read this morning, Ephesians 2, uh, verses 11 through 22. We heard this morning that in Ephesus they were having similar issues uh, to, that I was in building the, the magnetile tower, and even as Ebenezer was when they were building this sanctuary. The church in Ephesus had issues with their soil, with their foundation, and if we're honest, they had, church, they had issues within their entire church as a whole. At the time that Paul was writing this letter to the Ephesian church, Christianity was pretty young. It was about 50, it was about 50 years old. Paul had first visited Ephesus in uh, 53 AD, and he planted this church. And during his time of sowing the seeds of the gospel in Ephesus, Paul originally went there to try to uh, bring some reconciliation between the Jews and the Gentiles, but it didn't work. It failed miserably. And finally, he went back uh, two years later, and he started to, to try to convert the Jews and the Gentiles, and, and he lived in the community with them. And so he got to know them a little bit better. And as a result of being in the community and living with them, many people were converted to Christianity. Many people were able to put aside their differences, the Jews and the Gentiles putting aside their differences to become one. But why do we have this letter? Because division continued. It wasn't all happy-go-lucky. Division continued. Jews were now against the Gentiles yet again, and Gentiles were against the Jews yet again. But they, Paul still wanted to build upon this reconciliation. Jew, Gentile, on one side or the other, there was a, a, divide, a divisiveness in the congregation right down the middle. And through the ages, the Gentiles had abused God's people Israel time and again. Jews had fought for their survival in the face of Gentile tyranny, and they refused to worship the gods of Rome, but they kept them at bay. The Jewish people thought that the Ephesians were far away. They weren't acceptable in the temple, and they couldn't worship in the temple. Why would they let them do that? So the converts to Judaism would have to stay in the temple court or in the court of women. And any closer, if you came any closer, you would be stoned by death. Until this point, the letter to the Ephesians has been reminding the church, both Jew and Gentile, who they are in Christ. What God has been up to since the forming of the world, that's all to bring us to Christ Jesus. 
Paul goes on to explain that we are saved not by what we do or what we earn or what we try to do, but because of God's great gift of grace. Amen? Paul says, remember, remember that you were once dead because of your disobedience and because of your sins, but God, I love that, but God, can we say that together? But God. But God, who is rich in mercy, loved us so much. Even though we were dead in our sins and our disobedience, Christ, God gave us new life when he raised Christ from the dead. You were once dead, but now you're made alive. Paul says again, remember, remember that it's all because of God's grace that you've been saved through faith. Again, not your own doing, but what God has done and is doing in, with, and through you. Open uh, your scripture passage up to Ephesians 2, and we'll go through verse 12. And it says uh, five different descriptors that Paul uses uh, to the Ephesian church, what they have been uh, going through. And many of them were non-Jewish, uh, of non-Jewish heritage. And Paul says five things. They were without Christ. They were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. They were foreigners through the covenants of promise. They were without hope, and they were without God in the world. Paul doesn't say that the backstory of the Gentiles was all happy-go-lucky. He says, I know that the Jewish people rejected you. He doesn't say that, but everything's really going to be okay. No, he says they were without hope, without hope in the world. But now, in verse 13, Paul says, in, with, and through Christ, you who were far away have been brought near, purchased, brought near by the blood of Christ. That's good news, amen? Paul is pointing out that God did something amazing for the Gentiles, not just for the Jewish people, but the Gentiles as well. God was breaking down these walls of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles all because of the blood of Christ. Christ is our peace. And through him, we now have peace with God and with each other. We continue on, and uh, Paul continues to, to write about how these divisions need to come together. And he says, through Jesus Christ, both groups, one group and the other group, Jews and Gentiles, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, have become one group, one humanity. That is what Christ has come to do, unify us. And then Paul says, Christ has knocked down the walls of hostility, those walls that divide us. We have a lot of walls up, don't we, most of the time? But Jesus is all about knocking down walls. The walls that divide us, the walls of hostility. And in love, Christ hits the walls so hard, those things that keep us separate from one another, those things that we try to put in place to measure up differently from one another, to be better than each other, to be more important than each other. They have all been knocked down because of Christ. And not just knocked down, they've been reduced to rubble. They've been eliminated. They've been destroyed because of God's great love. Amen? But here's the tragic thing. We like walls. And we like building walls. We still think that we are living behind those walls. We still think that we're defined by those walls. We try to keep ourselves and our own kind so that way we can be herded together behind those walls. Even though those walls are down, we still try to build them up. We try to see others as strangers and foreigners as though they are, as though we are in and, and they are out. As though we're close and they are far away. But, 
as a result of living that way, we can also be the ones who are sometimes out, sometimes who are far away, sometimes who are strangers and foreigners. As we believe there are such divisions, we will continually find ourselves on the wrong side. We build walls and Christ destroyed them, and yet we build them right back up. We find ourselves not protected, but imprisoned. We find ourselves not released to a better life, but cowering behind the divisions that we put in place. In some perverse, unhealthy way, we seem to like divisions. The setting apart, those who are outside and those who are inside, those who are outside are not worthy of God's great grace, but those who are inside are. Have you ever noticed that when we draw circles of inclusion and exclusion, we most often draw ourselves inside the circle of inclusion, inside among those who belong, inside among those who we are never going to associate with beyond this group of people, inside the group of those who fit in and those who belong. Psychologists and sociologists tell us that it is in our human nature The strongest drive in our human nature is the desire, the craving to belong. From sports teams to clubs and schools to service organizations to family to church to political party, we all want to belong and we crave to be a part of something larger than ourselves. But God, can we say that together again? But God, but God tears down walls that divide us. Walls that are walls of hatred and criticism and condemnation and pride and control. Just as fast as we can build them up, God, Christ, walks and God in Christ tears them down. Just like a two-year-old knocking down a tower of magnet tiles. Listen, friends, the power of the gospel can break down any wall. And that's good news. Amen. A little over a month ago, when we started this sermon series, Pastor Emily shared a poll from CBS. And in the poll, it said that half, over half of Americans thought that the biggest threat that we face is not the waning and lingering pandemic. It wasn't foreign invasion or even economic collapse, but it was ourselves. It was each other. Even in the time before the pandemic, as divisions ran rampant in 2018, in a world uh, that seemed so divided, this is what it said in an article from a homiletic journal. In a world where division seemed to grow deeper every day, it's time for the church. Listen to this. It's time for the church to be bold enough to break down walls of racial, ethnic, social, and political divisions so that we can demonstrate for the world what true citizens of God's kingdom looks like. We must be willing to go and to share life with each other, with other citizens whom governments and authorities might see as foreigners, but whom we as people of God see as brothers and sisters and fellow citizens of another world, a different age. As followers of Jesus, we believe the one universal God is known in a particular way by the one who lived briefly, died violently, and rose unexpectedly. Jesus the Christ. God refused to be ambiguous and far away from us and removed from us. In this one who is fully human, fully like us, and fully divine, fully like God, we believe that we saw as much as we needed to see of God. But it's not as if we have come so far to be as close to God as God has come so far to be so close to us. 
inviting us, accepting us, loving us, and wanting us and desiring us to acknowledge that his love and his grace and his mercy is there for us. This day, our God continues to invite us to be a little bit closer Closer to the heart that is full of healing and reconciliation. Close to his heart that says, behold, I am doing something new. Something outrageous. Something new. Our God who says, I am coming near to you. Jesus came challenging us and challenging the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Challenging the entire world and the way of doing things. And knocked us down on our backside. Where we experienced, where we expected judgment and exclusion, Christ brought about mercy and embraced us in love. Where we yearn for uh, affirmation of our own righteousness and status as insiders, Christ came and he dished out judgment upon our assumption and called us to a higher level of righteousness. Christ practiced unrestricted hospitality by inviting to his table people who nobody thought needed to be saved and people who nobody wanted to save. In his suffering, loving outreach, Christ came to us, drew us to himself. But this wasn't the God that we expected. The cross of Christ reconciles and transforms Jews and Gentiles without any regard to the divisions that they put up or that we put up. Paul says in verse 16, Christ came so that one humanity might be created, bringing together the Jew and the Gentile in what? One or two? One? In one, Jew and Gentile have been reconciled to God. Christ came not only for the Jew insiders, but Christ came for the Gentile outsiders as well. Coming and bringing about unification, two groups making one humanity, not uniformity. Coming together as one humanity doesn't mean that the Jews become the Gentiles or the Gentiles become the Jews, but it means that two groups are now made one humanity together. They still have their history. They still have their lineage. They still have their voice. But now they are one in Christ. Paul continues to illustrate this to the Ephesian church by saying in verse 19, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And Christ Jesus himself is your cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are being built as a dwelling place for God who lives by his spirit. Paul says that our foundation is the apostles and the prophets. If you go back a little bit to verse 15, it says that Christ has destroyed the walls of hostility, the walls uh, of of hostility have been removed and God in Christ has come to fulfill everything to end and fulfill and set aside and abolish the requirements and the commandments of the law. We are not having our foundation. We are not founded by the law, but our foundation is found in the prophets and the apostles. All of God's messengers were preparing a way for us in this way. They were Preparing the foundation. They were ensuring that the soil was good, that the soil was at a good footing. They were making sure that they were removing all of the bad. And upon that, we have Christ as the cornerstone. When Christ is our cornerstone, he is the foundation that makes our faith stronger. 
Cornerstone means that he is our measuring guide. He is the promise of creation. He is the light to guide us in the darkness and to light to guide us in the, in the straight paths. He is a stone that enables us to go in mission and ministry despite whatever we are experiencing. He is a stone that, that bears all of the weight together. My friends, we have become a people people redeemed and united by the cross of Christ. Each and every week in talking with people, talking with folks, saints of this beloved Ebenezer, I've had the great privilege of talking with folks who have been here at Ebenezer for a long time and a little while. And in each conversation, I hear them time and time again. It is in the sharing of love that brings them back, the love that they receive from each other that makes them want to dive deeper into God's word, to stretch out their arms in mission and in service, to wrap God's love this around this community and around this world, and to stand firm on Christ Jesus. You, Ebenezer Church, have continued to live out and build upon this great love each and every week. You've welcomed strangers like they were long-absent family. And as we do this together, we continue to build upon that love Amen? Our hope and our prayer should always be building upon that love instead of building walls that divide us. Because in God's love, we are all welcomed in the name of Christ. The different are invited to sit alongside us and one another. Those who are without or far away or those who are only passing through will find in the heart of Christ, there we are, always. Remember Paul's words to the church in Ephesus. So then you are no longer strangers or foreigners, but you are citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. You are one in Christ Jesus, our cornerstone, our rock, our solid foundation. Thanks be to God. Amen.